Another lovely Sunday afternoon. We are back, fortunately or unfortunately. Yeah, finally, actually, it's actually lovely out. It's not oppressively yeah. humid, and it's pretty nice. I'm, I'm digging it. We can actually, we're, we're transitioning into the fall, yeah. which is the best time of year, my favorite oh, time. Oh, it's beer time. Oh, it's when, <laughs> that's when you just see the shelves stocked up plenty with, well, I shouldn't even say that when. I mean, I already kind of do see the shelves stocked up plenty yeah. with the pumpkin. So, yeah, this week we are taking a look, though, at some sunny weather type stuff because we're going out to Coronado Brewing Company. We're going to be talking to their head brewer, Ryan Brooks, later on and uh, really diving into a lot of their phenomenal IPAs. And we actually do, on this show, have our first pumpkin beer of the season. We have their uh, pumpkin drub we're going to be having later on. It's the first pumpkin beer of 2015 for us. It's uh, what? It's October somewhere. Actually, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, yeah, it is today. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's how the time zones work. No, there's parallel universes and all kinds of stuff. Hey, there, there, it's uh, it was a Nightmare Before Christmas. It's like Halloween Town there. <laughs> is that what they call it? I haven't seen that one in a while. All right, so before we get going on anything, we'll we'll tap into a little bit of beer news, and I have a couple other things I want to talk about. Uh, now, one of the big things that's been making the waves on the internet is there is a. I don't want to say pending lawsuit. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But basically, there is a company called She Beverage Company. They are a female-owned brewery, and they applied to the patent office uh, for the have basically a tagline of the queen of beers. That's what they wanted as their slogan. Now, they applied for that in December, uh, but as of last week, AB filed a notice of opposition that it is, quote-unquote, too similar to their king of beers slogan. So they're, 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 that's their issue is this company is going for the queen of beers all female owned and, and AB is complaining because it's too similar to their very well known king of beers uh, you know it's a weird thing because I'm not uh, you know an AB InBev apologist but I, they're using queen of beers because they know they're going to get yes. pub because of it so you can kind of see where AB InBev is coming from I mean yeah. not that I agree with it but they are using it yeah that, that is definitely a play on that and that, it's interesting because my first thought was well why are you even acknowledging it because now you're getting it out there if you just kind of ignored it but if they did ignore it then they would have been able to get what they wanted. Yes, so I think the only, I don't think AB is trying to get this out in the public. Like, come help us, because I, I, yeah. I don't know how much rallying cry that's going to bring on board. But it's just going to be interesting to see where this goes. If if they're going to eventually back down, because that's you know. I am quite sure that AB has deeper pockets in this company. Yeah, usually when you're talking about lawsuits like that, it's not a matter of actually like winning. It's a matter of just holding out long enough to the uh, the yeah. people crumble because they don't have enough money to keep going. Yeah, and, and that, and that's it's just going to be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, I, I don't know. There, there'll probably be some type of compromise. I don't know what, where it's going to come, but that's that's been kind of making the ways because really anything now that AB does, people like to jump on board and you know say good, bad, whatever. Usually bad. That's what pushes it all over the place. They but. say it while waiting in line for Bourbon County. Yeah, they I know. complain <laughs> about how bad they are. <laughs> all right. So now the other thing I want to talk about, we are going to September 27th. We're going to be doing a homebrew show on here. We're, we're working with Northern Brewer. We're going to have a couple things going on. Uh, I actually spent, if you follow social media, I actually spent my day yesterday brewing a Pliny the Elder clone, which is a, a kit from Northern Brewer. Uh, I have done it once before. It's a really good kit. I uh, really love those guys. So it'll be interesting to see. We're going to have one of their brewmasters on and really dive into a lot of things with homebrewing. But if you want to get involved with it, uh, you can shoot me an email, uh, beergeeksradio at gmail.com. Kind of give me some of the info, what beer you were thinking about doing, and we're going to try to get a couple guys in here with us and you know, or girls, I shouldn't say guys, 
couple people in here with us with or, some of their beers. Or aliens or any, That's true. Any, any being on Earth. Whatever you consider yourselves. <laughs> if you brew something, uh, we're, we're, we're going to bring some people in here and kind of dive into some home brewing and really talk about, or talk shop a little bit more about everything involved with that. So, uh, but yeah, the date's going to be September 27th, but shoot me an email. Just kind of give me some of your details of what beer you'd like to do or, or have, whatever you want to do this, because you have enough time that you could probably bang one out now in between uh, beergeeksradio at gmail.com. Just shoot me an email and we'll work on that one. It'll be really interesting because it's, it's been something we've been talking about for a while. Uh, I don't homebrew as much as I'd like to, unfortunately, because of my schedule, but it is a fun hobby to have, and I'm sure some of our listeners out there are into that one. It's a good time. I love tasting homebrew, man. It's a, it's a, it's a cool experience um, because, you know, it's coming locally, it's small, and a lot of surprises in homebrew, so good and bad, but yeah. it's fun nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely a... Uh, Right for that one. Yeah. All right. So we'll get into some new beers now. This is some, there's some really interesting ones that they just announced are going to be coming out soon. I don't have release dates on them. Some of them uh, are going to be soon. Some, uh, some are already available, actually. Uh, Stone announced they are doing what is going to be called Depth Charged Double Bastard. What that is is going to be Double Bastard with Espresso. So it'll be interesting just to see that flavor profile because if you know Double Bastard, it's just a beefed up, a beefed up variant of their Arrogant Bastard, but it's just. I'm a fan of it. I know Matt's kind of on the fence about some stone stuff. Yeah, no, just, I mean, they're very, very, very hot forward. Plus, it's one of your first loves, so yeah. you kind of have that, that thing going that's for you. That's my baby. But, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, that'd be interesting to see that that combination, yeah. see if they can make it work. That's why I wanted to see where that, that's going with that, having some fresh espresso put into it. Uh, now, one of the other ones we have, Sam Adams is going to be releasing their coffee stout in nitro cans. Which mm. I, I am a fan of their coffee stout. That is a really good it stout. It makes sense. Yeah. And it'll be, they're going to be putting that out in, in 16-ounce cans, I believe. So they're going to be having nitro cans available of that. Because Sam Adams is one of those breweries. Like I, I have said numerous times, like people get into this like to turn and attack them. And it's like you they laid the groundwork. Like you got to kind of back off and give them credit for anything. Like they're still doing a lot of interesting things. Like they announced a couple of weeks ago, they're putting out an unfiltered variant of their double IPA. So that's coming out They're They're really getting out there now and, and not, I think that was a complaint some people had was they were kind of resting on their laurels a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Sam Adams, uh, they make some great beers. Some of the, yeah. some some of their beers are some of my favorite beers, actually. Um, it's just their whole catalog. Sometimes it goes into regions that people aren't comfortable with or beer nerds or whatever you want to call them. They're like, oh, that's not good beer. But whatever, man. Good yeah. beer is what you like. Exactly. It's not just because, oh, I, someone else can't get it, so it's good. Like, well, yeah. you know, That's why I think they get more flack is because they are widely available. Oh, it's yeah, like, well, I can't, I can't brag to somebody that I had this and they did didn't. So it's like, well, that's not yeah. what this is about. <laughs> yeah. None of this is about. No. But right. didn't Sam Adams, uh, when there was a hop shortage a couple years ago, weren't they the ones helping out the smaller? Yeah. Oh, they constantly they, they constantly. Yeah. yeah. They, they love supporting yeah. homebrewers. They support the crappier community. They, they do a lot of great things. Like, they, they are very much a part of this. Like, they're large, but they are very, very much a part of the whole family of everyone and wanting to support new people getting involved with it. Yeah. I they're mean, not they afraid even, of competition. They even do the, um, what's the series they do where they bring people the in? The Long Shot. The Long Shot yeah. series. They do a lot of, a lot of awesome stuff. Yeah. All right, and the last one, this is a former guest, uh, Wicked Weed Brewing. They now have bottled their Pernicious IPA, which is a, a really sought-after one, and hoping to get some IPA stuff from them. We had, when we had them on, we had most of their sours, but they have a phenomenal IPA program. They did a collaboration with Stone. Oh, when did that come out? A couple, couple months ago. The, um, oh, it's the blend with the Belgian triple and the double IPA. Points unknown IPA. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can still find it around the yeah, area. Yeah, it's still, it's still, it's not an old, it's still widely available and it's a really good one. So you should definitely check that one out. 
All right, so we're diving into some of the beers from Coronado. And the first one we have cracked open is their Mermaid's Red, an amber ale, 5.7% ABV, 64 IBUs. So it's a little bit, that's the one thing that's great. Like most amber ales, like when you see that, I think a lot of people don't tend to think of it being hoppy, but that's generally what you're getting. A lot of amber ales are going to be a little more hop forward. It's just a different kind of crystallized, sweeter malt feel. That's what you're getting out of them. Yeah, it's 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 really nice, well done, um, easy drinking. I mean, there's really nothing clean as could be. Um, really, not much else to say other than it's pretty damn good. Yeah, this is definitely one that's good if you're just kind of getting into stuff. Maybe you're even one of those people because I've actually gotten some emails before in the show. People have gotten in touch like, I want to get into IPAs. Where's a good place to start? Because I had some and it was too much or, you know, things like that. That's a common issue with IPAs is it's a style that everybody hears about, everybody knows about, but not everybody can try because they'll, you know, if someone's throwing a big double IPA at them right off the bat, like, you can't handle that. Yeah, saying IPA is almost like saying car. Like, there's yeah. so many different kind of cars. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't say IPA. So when you're talking about something like this, it definitely is, like, not, like, my Fisher-Price first kind of IPA to, like, get your get your foot in the door. <laughs> That's right, kids. Fisher-Price IPA. <laughs> so nothing like associating beer with children. And uh, But it, it definitely is, is, is has enough hot presence to give you flavor, but at the same time, it's, I can't can't see this offending anybody that's not yeah. used to that flavor profile. It, it's definitely, it's a great way to just get yourself acclimated. That it's in there, but it's not overly aggressive. It's very balanced with it, so you can kind of get your, because that, that's the biggest adjustment when you're getting into the IPA is that hop character should be there. That's what you want. Like, you want to have fairly, not overly aggressive, you want balance, but you want to have that hop presence. You want to taste it, and if you are not accustomed to it and the first time you have it, it's really difficult to get into that. So you need to have some type of gateway beer to get into, and this is a perfect one because you have hop character, but it's still balanced, and you still have that really wonderful, sweet malt character behind it. Yeah, and and amber ales are very, to me, they're very close enough to a lager, so you're kind of getting close to that kind of combination, bridging the gap from one to the other. So, you know, people people who have never had anything too hop forward won't, won't, uh, won't run and hide and cry no. in the corner. And we, we've seen that. We've, I've mentioned it on here numerous times. We've had that happen right here in the studio where someone tried an IPA for the first time. And I think George is crying right now, actually. <laughs> but I don't think it's over the beer. <laughs> a little tear. Yeah. Just a single tear. All right. So <laughs> we're now getting into some of their IPAs. And the first one we're going to crack into, this is their Islander IPA. It's a 7%, 75 IBU IPA. Ooh, a little gas blow off right there. But no, it's like another really easy drinking IPA. This is just kind of transitioning into, because of what we have coming up uh, as we're doing the interview with Ryan, we have some double IPAs we're going to work through, which that's, you know, th- when you start seeing a lot of stuff online, people going crazy for the IPA, generally what it is is double IPAs, just to kind of give groundwork for some people that may be like on the peripherals of everything as they're seeing people raging about IPAs. A lot of the ones that are really sought after the people are, all talking about all the time going crazy. They generally are double IPAs because those are the really hop forward, super aggressive type. Yeah, this is a wow. I mean, it's seven percent, so you're kind of just diddling on the edge of a, of a imperial. But I mean, it's it's super drinkable. It's not not rough at all. No, this this would be one. You know, being that they're Coronado. If you've ever been out in the the San Diego area, Coronado is just a really nice little island off the San Diego area. Really sunny. Really relaxing beach-type area, and this is one you could actually see yourself sitting down having. It's got some tropical fruit notes, like a little bit of mango maybe in there. 
Yeah, nice balance of uh, citrus and a little bit of like dankness. Do you know what I mean? Just to kind of balance yeah. stuff out. The malt base is not nearly as big as like the previous one, so it's like definitely showcasing yeah. the hops more. Um, but it's you know a little bit of bitterness on the end just to give you a little bit. Hey, I want a little bit more, a little bit more, you know. And a little note on this one: this actually won World Beer Cup, the uh, Gold Award, 2014. So this is an award-winning IPA. Well, now it's just <laughs> bragging. No, no, I mean, it's definitely... But it definitely, has that dry... Like I, I, What I love with... See, West Coast IPAs to me can be a little off-putting sometimes because the the way that they brew, they like to be very dank, very hop-forward, and sometimes you get that, we've talked about it here before, that cat pee aroma and things because that's how they, they like really wet, sticky hops. And that can be a bit much sometimes if you're not really in the mood to have that punch in the palate. Yeah. And so I, I still love it, though, when it finishes really dry. Like, that's what I look for in a good IPA is that really dry finish. And that's what you do see a lot in West Coast IPAs is that really dry finish. Like, they love having that bone dry finish. And that's – so it's that trade off of, like – how dank do you like your hops, and how dry do you like your finish? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's a key to anything. I mean, a lot of the West Coasters will go over the top of the dryness to where it's like yeah. literally like, you yeah. know, oh, smacking yeah. the crap out of your palate. Uh, this gives you a little bit, just a touch of both, and it's mm-hmm. super easy, super easy. What do you think, Ed? This is probably right up your alley, huh? Right up my alley. Right yeah. up my alley. It's really good. Uh, citrusy. It's piney. Um, it, it's actually quite refreshing. Uh, I, I like the West Coast IPAs. They're they're good. Um, you're saying it's dry. That had like we're getting back into the home brewing. That has to do with, um, the with with the like the malt and the the temperature of the mash also. Okay. Um, the lower the lower the temperature of your mash. Yeah, you makes want, it you want dry to dry beer. Yeah, you want to finish that out really, and, and as you're lowering that down, you finish out with a really low finishing gravity. You have that really wonderful dry finish that shines through, and it's nice because it, it comes across a little thinner, but it's not. Thin. No, that, that's I don't know how that, that makes sense, but it, it comes across like that. Like it's a little bit thinner, but it still has that wonderful mouthfeel to it. And speaking of wonderful mouthfeel, Uh-oh. we're gonna take a break because we have a uh, head brewer from Coronado Brewing Company. I hope he's listening to hear that little segue for him. Uh, <laughs> we have a head brewer from Coronado Brewing Company, Ryan Brooks, joining us, and we're gonna dive into some more of these phenomenal beers from Coronado Brewing Company. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with head brewer Ryan Brooks here on the Beer Geeks. Have you been searching for the perfect engagement ring or an exquisite gift for a special occasion? Rainbow Jewelers is where you'll find it. Rainbow Jewelers, consistently voted the number one jeweler in the Wyoming Valley, has a large selection of GIA and EGL certified diamonds, engagement rings, necklaces, bracelets, and earrings. Rainbow Jewelers also has wedding bands, birthstone jewelry, mother's rings, all high quality at the best price. Plus, they sell citizen brand watches and offer jewelry repairs. Rainbow Jewelers, 789 Wyoming Avenue, Kingston. Open Tuesday through Saturday. If you could choose any school in the country to earn your college degree and be on your way to a better life, would you choose one the Wall Street Journal recognizes as producing some of the best qualified graduates? Or one the Princeton Review ranks as a leader in undergraduate education? Or maybe one the U.S. News & World Report names among the most innovative schools in the country? Now, you don't have to choose. At Arizona State University, we want to help you learn to thrive in life. At ASU Online, we offer over 100 graduate and undergraduate programs on your time and schedule. You receive the exact same curriculum, degree, and prestigious faculty as the on-campus students. And we're universally recognized as one of the innovators in online learning technologies. For information, call 1-800-578-2823. 
U.S. News and World Report ranked ASU in the top 10 best places to earn an online degree. So learn to thrive with ASU Online. Call today at 1-800-578-2823. That's 1-800-578-2823. For most companies, internet speeds are a game of chance. Like the phone company offering up to internet speeds. Chances are, up to means that speed is not available depending on your location. With Comcast Business, your business's internet connection speed isn't left to chance. That's because the speeds we offer are available across our entire network. No games, no chance. Game over. So call 866-704-8952 and get 25 megabit internet for $69.95 a month. Not up to the speed you pay for, all the speed you pay for. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer ends September 30th, 2015. Restrictions apply. New business customers only. Two-year contract required. Early termination fees apply. Equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change. Requires subscription to business voice and TV services. Call for details. Wyoming Valley Motors. Making good deals. Making good friends. Wyoming Valley Subaru has some exciting news to share. Wyoming Valley Subaru is exclusively offering rates as low as 0% financing for up to 48 months on 2015 Subaru Foresters with approved credit. Yes, you heard right. Drive home the 2015 Subaru Forester 2.5i CDT for just $223 per month or get rates as low as 0% for 48 months. These are deals to love at Wyoming Valley Subaru, just over the bridge from the courthouse on Pier Street in Kingston. And love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Plus tax and tax, 36 monthlies, 10,000 miles per year, zero security deposit, 2218 Jewett signing, model code FFB-02, expires August 31st, 2015. Looking to get cash for your broken and unwanted jewelry? Go to a reputable jeweler who's been in business for a long time, not one that appeared because the price of gold went up. Bring your broken and unwanted jewelry to Rainbow Jewelers. They're professionals and deal directly with the refiner. Rainbow Jewelers will tell you what your gold's really worth and pay you what it's really worth. Rainbow Jewelers, 789 Wyoming Avenue, Kingston. Open Tuesday through Saturday. All right, we are back, and uh, we are now joined on the line by the wonderful head brewer from Coronado Brewing Company, along with their marketing manager. Uh, we have Ryan Brooks and Heather. Heather and Brian, how are you doing today, bud? Great. Good morning. How are you guys? Uh, or good afternoon for you. Yeah, it's oh yeah, it's right. Good morning for you, and good afternoon for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us this morning. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having fun. Oh, not a problem. So we've been uh, enjoying some of the beers. So, Ryan, let me. I kind of want to get into a little bit first. I don't know if you or Heather want to jump in on this. Like, m- my question is kind of a little bit on the history of the brewery. Like, when when did everything first open up, and kind of what were the core beers? What was the the ethos of the brewery, if you will, when it first got going? Well, Cornell Brewing Company started in 1996, and it was a uh, two brothers got together and opened up the company. It was a small brew pub on the island of Coronado. We had a little small 10-barrel um, setup, and we had three 10-barrel bright tanks and three 10-barrel fermenters. 
And that kept them going for, I don't know, five to eight years. And then they said, oh, we're, we want to do some packaging and some uh, distribution. So they actually got the building next door to them and put in 13 20-barrel tanks. And that was kind of the start of Coronado bottling, uh, 12 and 22-ounce bottles, and kind of hitting the market and going all over the United States with it. Okay. So the other question, too, is, you know, I haven't been out in Coronado. I know it's uh, mm-hmm. it's not cheap, we'll say. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, why, why did they set up there like that? I mean, especially with you're right over the bridge from San Diego. Not that that's, you know, a lot cheaper, but it's a little cheaper than Coronado. Yeah, uh, well, they they grew up there. They were um, Coronado residents since birth, and they were surfing guys, so they wanted to kind of be in the community where they grew up. Okay. I think they got they got in a lot earlier before it was as expensive as it is now. Yeah, I, I've, I had gone out there and visited before and just seeing how everything was. And that was the first thought I had was if I was going to open up a business, that would be one of the last <laughs> places I would ever do that. <laughs> well, I guess that's why we have our big production facility just uh, 10 miles up the street. Ah, okay. Makes more sense that way. So let's dive into a little bit of your history then. Like, what When did you first get into doing everything with home brewing? I'm assuming you kind of kicked everything off with. Absolutely. Yeah, I started home brewing uh, almost eight years ago. And when I started home brewing, uh, I went balls to the wall. I entered every competition I could that was around this area, and I knew a brewery that was opening up. Uh, the brewery was called Black Market Brewing, and that was just in, just north of San Diego in the wine country in Temecula. So when I knew this brewery was getting ready to open up, I went in once a week, if not twice a week, and brought him my home brew uh, that I would make. I'd do two batches every Saturday, uh, two five-gallon batches to top off my fermenters. And so he just kind of got annoyed with me, I'm sure bringing beers in every week so he just said why don't you come in here and just scrub the floor and wash kegs for me so i started out just kind of doing the grunt work on the brewery and, and assisting and then i got an opportunity to move to sydney australia where uh, i got a really nice job uh, at a big production facility called malt shovel brewing company and they do the james squire line of beers wow and so that's how i really learned how to production brew at a big uh, the 50 barrel brew house and the 250 barrel fermenters Really big jump from that, that black yeah. market brewing company that was a 15 barrel setup. That was and then crazy. when I came, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So after the Sydney trip, I was over my six month visa to work there. Came back home to Black Market Brewing and became the head brewer there for about a year. And I always knew that I wanted to be in San Diego because that's where all the, uh, the rock star brewers that I looked up to were from. Dallas Point, Colby working there, and Stone was a big influence on me. Hale uh, Smith. So to be able to get a job in San Diego at one of the one of the bigger breweries, Coronado, it was, uh, it was pretty much a dream come true to come down here to do this. Now, normally, my question would be, how did you make that transition from homebrew to, to pro-brew? But it seems like, how do you make the transition back? Like, do you still homebrew? Because it seems like you just, yeah. you went really big, really quick. Like, can you, yeah. <laughs> like, you seem like you have the opposite problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do a little bit of homebrewing. I think the best thing we do now is we kind of do a, a cheating thing is where We'll, uh, we'll kind of tee into the knockout line off our big batches and then fill up our five-gallon fermenters, and we can repitch any kind of yeast that we want so we can try different yeasts on it or dry hop it differently. So I guess that's more of the homebrewing now is I just kind of cheat and steal work and ferment it out. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong. Yeah, nothing wrong with that one at all. No, no it, cuts, it cuts your brew day down pretty much. <laughs> Three hours. So now one of the other things, like Coronado is really known for their IPAs. Like that's really what you guys have fully established yourselves on. Now is a lot of that coming from a passion that you've had for that style? Is that what you really got into? I mean, being Oh, I, I think San a little bit of both. Yeah, just San Diego in general, having so many breweries brewing so many good IPAs, and that's what I kind of got into. Uh, but when I came here, they already had a lineup of um, a couple of great IPAs. The 80 IPA was already here, the Islander IPA. I think over the course of the three and a half years I've been here as a team, we've all kind of tweaked the recipes and made them uh, super drinkable, 
super dry, balanced, and just kind of the style that we wanted to showcase and you know, kind of brew the way we wanted to brew. Now, what was kind of for you the the beer that got you into all this? Like, was it an IPA? Like, what, what? No, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. My sister uh, had a wedding, and I got to pick out the beer for her wedding, and it was no light Coors Light, Bud Light, or you know, another light beer. Sam Adams Boston Lager and Sierra Nevada. And I knew that Sierra Nevada would probably be a little more fresh since it was not too far away. And I must have had nine pints that night, and it still felt great. And I felt great the next morning, and I thought, wow, this is this is what beer should be. And, and it's just a, so much flavor, and really kind of turned my, turned my life around. Wow. No, I, I don't disagree there. That's still a phenomenal go-to for, for me, no matter what I've been through. Yeah. So now, what is it like with, the, with what you guys are doing? I mean, you're the third largest in, in the San Diego region. It, what is that scene like for you? I mean, being around, that's really where all of this, what's currently going on, kind of branched out from. Like, what's that been like for you on the inside? Oh, uh, you know, it's weird. I don't, I don't, I was just such an organic kind of natural growth in the company. You know, every few months we get a new tank in and we brew some more, we hire some more people. And it wasn't like an overnight thing that it was like, oh shit, where's the big shocking kind of uh, transition? It's been going, you know, steady for years and years and years. So, I don't know, I did it's just fun to be a part of a community, and it's kind of weird to now know that I'm, you know, at, at a level of not making more beer than some of the people that I've looked up to for the past seven or eight years. Oh, no, that, that's it's just been interesting to see because San Diego has such a, a buzz around it and it's still continually growing. And to see that, I mean, like, you know, you have, like, Mitch at, at Stone and all these, like, wonderful people are doing great things and just being a part of that community. And it's interesting to see you guys just a little bit. You know, out of the, you know, off that little little bridge, you just got to go over and kind of you're right there with everything going on. And it's just continually growing. And to just see where that whole movement has taken everything has just been like a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. <clears throat> it's really cool. A lot of us are really, uh, really friendly with each other. We will borrow ingredients, we'll hang out, we'll trade each other's beer. So there's such a, uh, a love for each other and uh, respect. And uh, just uh, uh, everyone's really helpful. So if any kind of questions, I think that's why San Diego has become so big. And a lot of us, have worked together and started new breweries or, you know, one guy works for another brewery and then jumps over to the next brewery. And it's just a very big community and we all kind of share and we always want to drink the best beer possible and make the best beer. So we've kind of just all traded techniques and tips from, you know, brewery to brewery. Now, you're, that time you spent in Australia, do you use a lot of Australian-based ingredients in your beer or, or incorporating that? Uh, yeah, I, we have a little bit here. Our anniversary ale included a lot of uh, ingredients that I was kind of just just starting to figure out and find out when I was in Australia. Uh, Galaxy, I'd, I'd only heard of that hop before I moved out there, and now it's like one of my favorite ones. And we definitely use that in the anniversary ale every year. Yeah, we're drinking that right now, actually, and there's a ton of hops nice. in there, and it's a uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, pretty damn amazing beer. And uh, now you went you went homebrew one year, and then you've been going at it since then seven more years, so eight years total. You think? I mean, that's that's a quick kind of shoot up the ladder. Do you? Think- yeah, it's probably even closer to seven than eight. Okay. Do you think that quickness grants you a different perspective because you didn't kind of like, not that you didn't learn, but usually, you know, you do a whole more or less apprenticeship thing for a long, long time until you become a head brewer and jump all over the place. Mm-hmm. Not learning what everybody else knows gives you a little bit different perspective, maybe a little bit outside of the box thinking, maybe? Maybe, maybe a little bit. And also, I think I had to learn quick. I had to, like, I was getting put in these positions to kind of manage some bigger brews. And so I just went out and asked these some of the big boys in San Diego and some of the California brewers. So I just kind of had to jump in it um, and learn as much as I could as fast as I could. That's awesome. But I do, I do think that the homebrewing side has definitely helped me a lot to just kind of maybe some of the old rules and the old, te- old techniques 
kind of say, ah, you know, that, that's kind of the old school method. I, I've, I've been doing this for a little while. I know that's, you know, we can do better ways of things. And, and you're in uh, big guys, total awesome reception. They're willing to help every step of the way, most likely, right? Totally. Yep. Yeah, that's Absolutely. Awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk about some of the future things. I mean, I will, we'll talk about the anniversary a little bit, but I wanted to see, like, you're you're going on a trip. You're going to be brewing overseas soon. I'm, I'm told. Yeah, I just got back. We were brewing in uh, in Chile. We did a trip down there, and then next month I go out to Germany and Sweden to do two different collaboration brews. That's another good thing about uh, you know traveling is you learn a lot from people in other countries and how they do completely different things than the Americans are doing, even though they're trying to emulate what the Americans are, mm-hmm. are brewing. Who, so it's you, been a cool learning. Who'd you visit in Chile? Uh, a couple places. The, the brewery is called um, Tubinger. Tubinger. Uh, they're a pretty up-and-coming brewery. They had a 10-barrel setup, and they're just doing all-American kind of style beers. and just you know They're not held back by any kind of ingredients. They're doing smoke beers. They're using fruit. So it's really exciting to see us uh, a really growing community down there in Chile. I'm super. I'm actually super jazzed for the South American beers. It, it's starting to explode down there. You've got a, stuff mm-hmm. coming from uh, what is that? Walls, their Bello line, and yeah, the, yeah. Brazil, Brazil is huge for that. And then you have the other one. I believe it's it's not. It's close to your guys' name, Coronado. It's uh, another one. I forget the name of it right now. But I think a lot of mm-hmm. awesome stuff coming from South America. Now, who are you going to visit in Europe? Um, you're the first one in Sweden is. Um, I think it is Jessica's an oh, St. Eric Brewing Company. St. Eric, they're out of the uh, Stockholm area. And then in Germany, um, I'm going to this uh, small German brewery. But the young guys like my age, they're doing nothing, um, nothing right high school boat. Everything is kind of uh, uh, American, Americanized. And that place is called Crew Republic Brewing. And I'm sure they're Damn loved the and, and hated at the same time over there. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I, I think a lot of the, new, the younger kids, they don't even care about oh, that. Yeah, I think that, yeah. that's the old way of thinking, and they're breaking the, the mold for sure. You're just seeing the old cantankerous man sitting in the bar. These damn kids! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back in my day, Ryan Heinsky would only had three ingredients. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so now, with everything you're doing, is Coronado distributed international? Do you guys have, because we've had a lot of brewers yeah. on. Do you, are you guys in Sweden? That's one thing I want to ask. We are, yeah. We we are in how many countries? Heather, twenty countries. No, sorry, twenty-one states and eleven oh. countries. Wow. Okay, because yeah, every brewery we have, it's been an interesting thing. Like everyone, like Sweden, is just really exploding, especially it seems for American craft beer. Like that just is an area that really has a high demand for a lot of, especially the West Coast. It seems a lot of the breweries from over there have a great distribution line set up with with Sweden. Yeah, I, th- I don't know if who started what or who became more popular, but I really think that McKellar has kind of yeah. stemmed out into the you know, Norway and Sweden and kind of changed that quite a bit. Uh, brewers like Nugmia and obviously St. Eric's, they were just producing some of these rad styles. All right, so let's dive into some beer because we have the 19th anniversary in our glass. Now, what what was kind of the inspiration for you as you are putting all this together? Uh, super drinkable that's scary strong about a little over nine percent um and just showcasing some of the the coolest hops we can get our hands on every year this beer changes a little bit because we obviously can't get some of the hops we can get the year before um so every year it showcases um citra and then as many new zealand and australian hops that i can get my hands on so the galaxy is a big one uh we have some simcoe in that beer We've got Southern Cross, Pacific Jade, Pacific Gem. It's just a ton of like the big fruit punchy tropical note 
really highly drinkable, not heavy in the palate kind of uh, flavors. Yeah, it's super explosive, man. There's flavors coming from every direction in this one. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of kooky in an awesome way. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we put more hops uh, in the boil than I'd really normally like to, but uh, we found that just we wouldn't get the flavors if we were kind of stuck to the traditional traditional uh, 60 late and whirlpool additions that we do for most of our beers here. So we're layering tons of these beers throughout yeah. the last 30 minutes of boil just to really get that, that flavor punch up. So does the malt bill in this, is that, is that remain constant then every year? And no. Just... Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's always okay. um, pale malt, obviously the base, uh, a tiny bit of crystal, British crystal 45, and then we use some sugar to help dry it out. Okay, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It has that really bone dry finish that I love, and it has just subtle hints of that real dankness that West Coast IPAs have, but mm-hmm. not enough because I'm very sensitive to the that cat pee that so many people out there love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it's nice because it's, it's subtle, but it's nothing overwhelming. It's just this really wonderful bouquet of all these different. Cause that, that's what's interesting is you have so many hops in this, but they each have a chance to kind of flash across the palate. There's nothing really overpowering, which, I mean, I'm assuming that that's going to take a lot of time to, to figure that all out. Yeah, so the, you know, Chuck Silva from Green Flash was big in teaching me how to, the, you got to kind of uh, build the hops. You don't want to just throw them all in. You kind of want to layer them and just think of it as different layers on a cake, maybe. Yeah. And what want to come through and balance each other out real nicely. Well, if there's someone you're going to learn from, that's a good guy to learn all that from. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's about it. But, Ryan, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to give us a call on a Sunday morning. I'm sure you might have a chance to relax instead of calling us, but I appreciate it. No, no, it's no problem. Thank you so much for having us on. It was great talking to some fellow beer nerds. Hey, not a problem. Thank you so much. So we're going to keep drinking some of your great beers. Well done. (laughs) Enjoy. Cheers. 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 Uh, Another... Good time. There we go. I got the board to drop out. But, uh, no, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, this is a really great beer. And that's why I said, like, Coronado just really is knocking it out of the park as far as the IPA is. Like, he really has it dialed in. And, and an impressive, quick track record. And, and, well, uh, speaking of the guy, he's so sharp. Mm-hmm. He literally he's, he's, he's uh, bringing up experiences. And every question when he's asked, there was no uh, um, yeah. just right on point. So, obviously, you know what I mean? There's a passion there. But there's also, like... Uh, an innate skill set for just loving and knowing beer. So, I mean, hey, you know why the beer is good when you talk to the guy. You can yeah. just hear it in his voice. You can, you can tell that because, I mean, we have people on that have been doing this for 20 years that still are, are tough to, to talk because they're just in their own head. And, like, you kind of have to be able to be a showman, a hard worker, and a scientist mm-hmm. to, to be able to be a really good all-around brewmaster because you got to be out there talking shop with everybody. And you're not going to be able to sit there saying, well, the OG on this was one because you're going to lose a good chunk. And if you're not doing a little bit of that, you're going to lose a chunk. Yep. So you kind of have to have that showman scientific brain bouncing back and forth and being able to keep everybody interested in what's going on. Because it's one thing to sit and drink the beer and say, oh, you're getting this flavor, but you're going to have people that want more technical. You've got to have that ability to do that. And some, you know, unfortunately, some people don't. And like, you know, it, it's it's tough doesn't hurt them in the long run i mean their beer is still if their beer is good enough yeah. it doesn't hurt them but it's it's if you're going to be out in the you know be in the face of stuff like you got to really be on that and it's great like such a short period of time and knows what he's talking about and can carry a conversation yeah those are three good check marks <laughs> to hit for this show i'm totally not <laughs> jealous at all no. <laughs> all right so before we go to break i have a giveaway from coronado we have another great giveaway this week 
You're going to get some Coronado glassware, some cozies. Hold on. Let me put my, let me put the number in my sweet dial before you. <laughs> I want to be the first caller. Lip balm. You're going to get some lip balm, which it's coming. Winter is coming, unfortunately. Yeah. Got to get ready. Okay, John Snow. And, uh, <laughs> God. Took me a second for that one to set in there. <laughs> and uh, some keychain opener. Like you're going to get bottle openers. You're going to get a whole really nice slew of Coronado swag. How's that? Sum that one up. So we'll just do it. You know what? I like banging these out really quick. So uh, Kathy will pick up the phone. We're going to do first caller. So we're going to do that one. I'm going to throw this, and then we're going to go to break. So first caller, 1-800-437-0098. This is for only local. you got to pick it up here. 800-437-0098. Uh, and we will be back here on The Beer Geeks on WILK. For most companies, Internet speeds are a game of chance. Like the phone company offering up to internet speeds. Chances are, up to means that speed is not available depending on your location. With Comcast Business, your business's internet connection speed isn't left to chance. That's because the speeds we offer are available across our entire network. No games, no chance. Game over. So call 866-704-8952 and get 25 megabit internet for $69.95 a month. Not up to the speed you pay for, all the speed you pay for. Comcast Business, built for business. Offer in September 30th, 2015. Restrictions apply. New business customers only. Two-year contract required. Early termination fees apply. Equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change. Requires subscription to business voice and TV services. Call for details. But the deals just got even hotter at Dixon City Hyundai. 2016 Elantras lease for only $119 a month or buy for $14,995. Test drive any new Hyundai and register to win a 2016 Elantra lease. Drawing will be held on September 1st at Dixon City. 2015 Sonatas lease for only $139 a month. Save up to $6,000. And zero down delivers on all new Hyundais. And America's best warranty, 10 years, 100,000 mile limited powertrain and Hyundai Assurance. Test drive any new Hyundai and register to win a 2016 Elantra lease. Draw will be held on September 1st at Dixon City. Save every day at Dixon City Hyundai. 81 to exit 191A, just past the Viewmont Mall on the left. For details, visit DixonCityHyundai.com or call 1-800-HYUNDAI. 2016 Elantra stock, K231 price includes all dealer, including military stock number J1267500 off all leases, 36 months, 12,000 miles per year, 1999, do it, signing plus tax and tax. Remember when people used to wash stuff by hand, like clothes and dishes? <laughs> or how about this one? Remember when you had to wash your CPAP system by hand? Wait, you still wash your CPAP by hand? Boy, have we got to catch you up. Listen, SoClean.com has created the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It's faster, more sanitary, and a heck of a lot easier than whatever you're doing. And for a limited time, you can try it at home risk-free for 30 days. You better get on this. Just call 1-800-551-4919. SoClean is completely automated and hands-free. It destroys 99.9% of all CPAP germs. Clean your CPAP system in minutes with no water or hassle. Talk about life-changing. Now, remember when you called for your in-home trial from SoClean.com? Wait, you still haven't called? (laughs) Here's the number again. It's a limited-time offer, so don't wait. Call 1-800-551-4919. 
the good times. The good times of the on-air life. It's a good time. It's a good thing we don't use that Periscope app. Otherwise, <laughs> we'd all be in trouble. Oh, we should do that, actually. Oh, God. Yeah. And, and then and that'll be the last week we are ever on the air. <laughs> so we are continuing on. We have some more phenomenal beer to crack through from Coronado. Uh, as we've said numerous times throughout, I mean, this is a brewery that knows their IPAs and knows how to dial them in perfectly. And what we have now is their Imperial IPA, the Idiot IPA. This is coming in at 90. I couldn't think of it. I couldn't see if it was a 90 or 98. My eyes, my old age is getting to me. Oh, <laughs> Got to get my bifocals out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's 8.5% ABV, 90 IBUs. Now, this really showcases the four sea hops. You're getting Cascades, Centennial, Chinook, and Columbus. So this this is like a really wonderful bouquet of, of those are the most, as far as IPAs of what we are used to as far as what mo- most people consider IPAs, those are the hops that in some way, shape, or form are making an appearance in those. Those are the really popular ones. Then you get into the Simcoe and all those things. But the hop, and you know, I want to get like, a hop grower in here at some point. I've, I've talked to a handful. I like to get someone in here because that's a really interesting industry. Because there's so much in that that it has changed because of what's going on with craft beer. Because they used to be trying to grow some of these hops and nobody wanted them. And it's a weird thing, too, because it's like the, it's the it seems like the industry that's having a hard time keeping up with demand and everything else. You know, you, you can get all the grains you want and get whatever. But, I mean, hops, man, it's it's really hard to get what you yeah. want. And um, I, I know a lot of hops are actually patented. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's not like you can just be like, yeah, I'm gonna grow. Yeah, you can only get them from Centennial. One no, yeah. uh, you got to go to the Centennial yeah. guys. So and then you like, have to buy like there's certain contracts you have to buy yeah. a certain volume if you're going to be able to, to procure that. Like that's the issue you see with a lot of smaller breweries. If you've ever been wondering why maybe some of the smaller breweries that you like some of the beers taste different each time, sometimes it's you know down to the hops. Yeah, because they, they can't they can't buy in the volume that they need to get some of you know the, especially the sought after ones when you're going after the Simcoe and like the the ones that everybody's, you know, putting up on a pedestal, you can't get them because you're not able to buy in the volume you want. So you're really limited to what's available when you go to buy. So you either have to try, I guess even Ryan was saying, like some of the breweries on San Diego will lend ingredients to one another. And that's something that winds up happening sometimes when there is, like there was a hop crisis we've had, we've talked about before. When those things go on, if you're able to, you know, if you have a hop in there that you can't swap out for something else... (laughs) then you're going to have a totally different tasting beer, no matter what you try to do. Yeah, I, I actually, sometimes it amazes me to, like, even look at it at that perspective. Like, hops and crab legs are the two things for me. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how they still exist. Like, we consume so Think about how many crab legs this your local, like, seafood joint produces. And then, every, and then multiply that by the billion places in, in, uh, in the country. Yeah. And then you go, Earth, how are there still crabs available? Same thing with hops. Like... There's so much hops being used in beer, and beer's just exploding. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I don't understand how they can make hops fast well, enough. And I, I think that's part of the reason, like, you know, he was even saying, like, in Australia, like, that is that is kind of where a lot of people are moving their hop, you know, choice selection is, is a lot of the, the New Zealand and Australia hops are really taking off because that is another area that they've been growing, but it hasn't been in high demand. I mean, I think it was uh, Brooklyn Brewery. They had that Sriracha Ace. Yeah. Uh, Saison Sa- yeah. uh, they had. That beer basically saved that hop mm-hmm. because that was that was going to go away. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of things like that. There's that Nelson Savine hop that's really sought after in Australia. And it's basically some of these beers will come in and just try them and they'll take off and it'll save those hops 
just happened to, you know, happen that way. And that's where a lot of Australia, that's where people are moving to, and that region's taking off now. So you're seeing all those things because there's different hops in different regions, and you see it was always directly tied to what was going on. Like Germany only grew like the, the specific types of hops that their noble hops were there. You had English ones. They were growing the, the hops that were primarily using English beers. And then you had America. We were just doing crazy things all the time and crossbreeding and doing and getting into all these super high alpha acid hops. And then now it's affecting everybody else. Now you see all these other regions trying to get into that. And it's just, but that's like, it's such an interesting study of that industry because it, it's farm based but it, it has a little bit more of a, a specific buyer and a contracts laid out that, that's a little different from some of the other things that have been going on in, in the farming area. It's very, it's very grape-like in that it's regional, too. It's not like you can just be mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to grow right. these hops here. Yeah. Like uh, um, New York State used to have a pretty big hop crop years and years ago, but it got wiped out from like disease or mold or yeah. something like that. And then they just basically scrapped the whole program and started growing apples or something. <laughs> and then, uh, seriously, that's what yeah, happened. No, and it's not like you can just be like, I'm going to grow this hop. No, you have to be in the temperate region. And, and they're, growing, they're coming every, back, too. Like yeah. New York now is, is priding themselves on coming back. Like when I was up at Oma Gang, we I was talking about that. Like New York has a lot of these small hop growers, and, and it's interesting because you see hop growers getting into like even Oma Gang was saying they they buy some of their hops from basically it's people growing it in their backyard. They have little farms set up in their backyard. They're they're hop farmers, but they have day jobs and they you know harvest hops on the the side. Well, there's that one brewery up in uh, upstate. Is it Captain Lawrence? You guys visited? Yeah, yeah, I believe that all their ingredients are New York based, from yeah. their malt to their hops, everything. They do not use one ingredient that doesn't come out of the state of New York. So yeah, I mean, and it's you're able it, to do that now, yeah. in some, and that's what's awesome to see that because that that this industry is going far beyond just craft beer and people being able to to get better beer. Like it, it's supporting so many other things that they're involved in. It's it's the tentpole industry for a lot of things that they're spreading across all areas of business. Yeah. And it, it's bringing jobs into areas that we're losing jobs because there's such a growth there and there's there's a local belief with it. Like it's not just we're gonna make a craft brewery to make a couple bucks because one, you ask anybody who opens up a craft brewery they tell you that's not going to happen. <laughs> like that that's not what you get into this industry for is like, oh, I'm going to retire and make Strike a button. Like, rich. That, no. No. It, You're better off opening a restaurant. Um, <laughs> but like we were talking last week with like Augie brought it up. It was pretty much like the, the industry is expanding to the point where it's actually becoming more local. It's actually expanding to retract where you're having the, all these small area, small breweries opening up. And it's almost like a, uh, a weird kind of new industrial revolution, like a beer revolution for actual like work and product. It's pretty, pretty damn cool. Yeah. And it, it's just a really cool thing to have that behind it that it's expanding far beyond that you can actually look at it as something that's sustainable and and really helping all these different industries grow instead of just basically eating its own tail because that's where you see a lot of these businesses get into is they just wind up eating their own tail and they're basically just doing what they can to survive and go through all these things and that's you know what's great to see that and it's awesome to see like he was talking about in san diego like how they're all really supportive of one another like they they just really love and believe in one another and want to help each other grow because when you help each other grow you're helping the whole industry grow and it's going to make especially if you're talking about a region like san diego you're helping each other grow and you're helping that whole area grow and people are going to come and they're not going to just visit one brewery they're going to visit all the breweries that they heard of and when you're a bigger brewery like you know Coronado saying like they're the third biggest in San Diego and that's that's saying something if you're saying we're the third biggest brewery in Scranton Pennsylvania 
that's not saying as much. Yeah, like not not yeah. to you know crap on our local area, but it's just you're, San Diego is a huge area for a lot of breweries, and to be the third biggest, I mean they're only behind Stone and Ballast Point. Yeah, I mean it's weird. It's um it it's almost like the East Coast is behind on a lot of the beer stuff. To be perfectly honest with you, like you have like you know your big cities or your Colorado, you have your Portland, you have you know your San Diego region up here. Now it's you know your Vermont's taking over, but it's mm-hmm. like you have these huge populaces like the near Hudson River Valley. You guys just took a tour of like there's breweries popping up there. Jersey, Jersey is the most populated state I think in the whole country, and they have like forty breweries. Uh, yeah. in a Portland, the city alone, I think has like 90 just yeah, how city. many of them are like in some just guy's in living room si- with a mustache <laughs> yeah but i mean just the, city, just the city alone has that many so yeah. it's like it's weird to be like okay we're kind of, you know new places opening up here bringing new beers it's it's cool I I, I, that's to, i know when they're when they're registering the breweries it's like who's legally registered as a brewery but i just wonder how many are like a, some pretentious jerk in his living room like oh, i brewed a, brewed a batch yesterday i got yeah. a brewery going like <laughs> All right, anyway, so we're having our first pumpkin ale. Uh, as I said, this is the first one. We're going to be getting into more as we go because that's just the way things are going. I like pumpkin ale, so I'm not one of those that's like, oh, here we go, because I hear that a lot. And, like, I don't care. I, to me, I love the fall. I love Halloween. So, to me, this is just a part of it, and I love those flavors. But this is their Pumpkin Drublick Imperial Pumpkin Ale. Uh, love the name right off the bat because <laughs> no effects. No effects. <laughs> I mean, you got to love that right off the bat with that one. Um, but this this actually came out for the first time last year. Uh, it's an 8% Imperial Pumpkin. But it's a little, you know, uh, on, on the East Coast for us in this region, when we say Imperial Pumpkin, a lot of people think of Weyerbacher. Like that, because they are pretty local to us in Pennsylvania, that's what people are thinking of. This is lighter than that. Yes, you, you, very you, much. You, you, you can see through this. Uh, the Weyerbacher one, like you cannot see. There's a lot of caramel malt in that. Uh, this is a little bit more of a lighter mouthfeel, uh, like lighter malts, but you still get some of that brown sugar, a little bit of the spices, some of the, the cinnamon, the nutmeg. But it, it's just it's a different than what we're thinking of when we're here. But it's just a lot lighter. It's super easy drinking, and it's just great pumpkin. You do get like you definitely do get some fresh like vegetal like earthy pumpkin out of it. Actual like pumpkin mm-hmm. itself. The spices are there. Um, like you said, the, the mouthfeel is not as dense and as big as um, um, Weyerbachers or Fegley's, but it, it is. Um, it still has a nice creaminess to it, which is what you want when you're dealing with pumpkin ale, especially borderlining on the imperial side. Yeah, and that that's you know the pumpkin beers like there's just it's another one that there's every year you go to the store and you got like ten more to choose from, and you and you mm-hmm. try to figure out and like you know some you have that it's just they're just spice bombs and they're not. Super enjoyable at all. This one's really good though. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a pumpkin beer either. Uh, like her either, but the the spices. You heard that first, folks. Ed is not a pumpkin liker. <laughs> so whoever that, is that, pumpkin guy, that pumpkin guy is no, on Facebook, I just he does not like your Some guy dressing up pumpkins in the parking lot. Oh. <laughs> it's yeah, like I got to see Ichabod Crane turning around like the old, the old commercial with the Indian who cries with the litter. Like he's turning around like a tear going down his pumpkin head. <laughs> oh, we can spin this off in so many directions. Oh, all right. So, yeah. 
All right, so we're we're always up against the clock. So we have one last one. Uh, we're ending big as we love to do here because if we started this way, the show would derail after about five minutes. <laughs> this has never done that. Uh, this is this is their old scallywag. Now this is more of a limited release from Coronado. Uh, this is a English barley wine. 11.4%. I, I believe each year they do different variants on it or they have different availability of it. But what this one is, this is an oak brandy barrel aged variant of that. So you're having a, like, like wonderful notes of like the oak, the brandy and the oak coming through into an English barley wine, which is a little different than American barley wines in that it's a little more malt forward, a little, ooh, a little sweeter. But it, it's really nice to age out. I love aging out English barley wines even more than American. Because those wonderful mouth feel and that, that malt just melts as you get the age put onto it. And you get some of those red fruit characteristics will kind of develop over time. This is beautifully done. Well, listen, here's the deal. <laughs> Here we go. Bonnie Hall. It's on. I, I love, there's a couple things I love in life. Uh, my dogs, um, a nice sunny day. Um, the White Castle hamburgers. Um, but <laughs> Which order? Uh, uh, <laughs> isn't that order? Or is I'm it? not. It's just non-specific order. Um, I'm a huge English beer fan. I love Old Ales. I love English barley wines. And I love barrel-aged stuff, as any sane human does. And I love brandy barrel-aged. It's actually one of my favorite barrels. This is really nice. It's actually, this is, I think, is a theme with Coronado, is their, uh, their beers drink Lower than what they taste like. This doesn't yeah. taste no, nearly not as taste close. As big. And and that's everything else they've produced. Um, ton of barrel in this, like a, not even like a char. Like it's a lot of oak. Yeah. Um, a touch of brandy. You get a nice sweetness from there. Caramel. It's 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 dangerous and delicious at the same time. Yeah, this is super easy drinking for how big it is. Yeah, it's so smooth and because that's the thing. You know, some fresh barley wines, English or American, can be really harsh when they're fresh. Oh, yeah. This is this is a 2015 bottle, so this is relatively fresh, but. The barrel really knocked a lot of that out of it and just smoothed it out. Made it really, really Vanilla, easy. a little bit of coconut. And you get some like dark fruit a little bit yeah. coming through with it too, which yeah. is it's it's one of those beers like you would look at it and it doesn't look like oh this is gonna be super complex or anything, but you get once you get that aroma, it comes through. I mean it just has a really wonderful clear color to it. And just that aroma just really showcases what's coming in. If you, if you blow torch a sugar daddy and dipped it in brandy and, and sprinkled <laughs> a little bit of oak dust on it, that's pretty much what you're drinking right I want to see a guy try to blow torch a sugar daddy and see where that goes. Isn't it? I thought it's I, gone. I saw them at Cafe Metro once, uh, blow torch a sugar daddy. They, they played a great set. <laughs> they were a great swing band from the river. <laughs> Come back. back in the day. Uh, all right. So, as usual. We're uh, right up at the end. But, yeah, as I said at the top of the hour, get in touch with me if you want to uh, reach out about the homebrew thing. It's beergeeksradio at gmail.com. Shoot me over some of your info, the beer you'd like to bring. We'll, uh, we're going to work on getting a couple people in here and talk about their beers as we work through all the homebrew stuff. And I'll be bringing in my Pliny the Elder clone, as long as I don't ruin it and then I'm not bringing it for anybody because I don't need to be publicly ridiculed. Oh, definitely bring it then, <laughs> please. All right, so next week we have on the show, uh, continuing with our theme of just phenomenal breweries, we have DC Brow. Uh, just if you know of that name, you know how great their beers are. George uh, has never heard of them. <laughs> um, I've only been there a few times, and they're. I, I cry when I go there. It's, it's just that magic. <laughs> That's a good way to end the show. All right, so we're going to have co founders of DC Brow, uh, Brandon Skull and Jeff. Something. Yeah, house, house kick. I, I can't read my own handwriting. So, all right, that's it for this it's week. Time. Cheers. Well